Hey, I'm Daddy, and this is Daddy as Fuck, a throw-it-all-at-me discussion about poly, kink, DDLG, and BDSM, with an emphasis on power exchange through the eyes of a soft DDLG dynamic. You'll hear stories, opinions, and perspectives as we journey through an alternative way of life, what has worked, what hasn't, and thoughts about how to manage choices on a path less taken. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get going down the bunny hole. Hi, it's Daddy, and welcome to episode one, the pilot introduction episode to Daddy as Fuck. Today I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, my lifestyle interests, my background, my relationship history, the types of love I've experienced, and a quick look back at what I've learned up to this point in my life, as well as a glimpse of what's coming next. So thanks for joining us today, and let's get right on with it. So who is Daddy? Well, my real name is Steve. And as I'm recording this, I'm 47 years old, and I'm divorced for the second time, and single, but dating a married woman, so I guess you would call me solo poly. Um, A little bit about me relationship-wise, I married my first love. I met her when I was 19. We were together for seven years and married uh, for one year after that. So a total of eight. Uh, Shortly thereafter, my divorce, I married my second love. And we dated for three years and were married for 16 for a total of 19 years. And while I was in that marriage, I had a polyamorous relationship, as did my wife. And I had a girlfriend while I was married for four years. Um, I've dated Within, I've dated from my marriage, and I've dated after my second divorce, and I've had play partners in the kink lifestyle, um, and now I have a baby girl who I absolutely adore. So that's a little bit about me. But what about my interests? Well, let's look at my lifestyle interests. I have experience and an interest in non-monogamy as well as polyamory. I have been in the kink community for, oh, let's see, about 18 years now. I've been active in the kink community as a player Uh, meaning engaging in kink activity, for the past seven years. I also have about seven years of DS and power exchange experience as a dominant and with a submissive. And uh, most recently, I discovered that at my heart, I am a daddy and a particular type of daddy, as as I will talk more about. And that um, my preferred dynamic uh, when it comes to power exchange is DDLG. I like to call it a soft DDLG. 
And I'll get into more about that in future episodes. Um, as far as vanilla interests, I enjoy outdoor motorsports all four seasons of the year. Fishing, mechanics, uh, auto mechanics, home repairs. I like to build things, fix things. Uh, music, I make music. And um, I also make my own latex clothing. So that's a, a little bit about the kinds of things that I engage in for various lifestyle interests. But um, what makes me tick underneath that? So what about my background other than relationships and um, lifestyles? Um, in college, I got a philosophy minor. And uh, I really loved studying different religions and studying different viewpoints on the world uh, and how people think, how human beings behave. I read a lot of self-help books. Um, I'm not going to list the titles, but, you know, books like Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. I've read a lot of books on body language written by um, FBI operatives. Uh, More Than Two is one of the books about polyamory that I've enjoyed very much, and I'm currently rereading it now with my baby girl, uh, who is um, kind of uh, new to poly and poly-leaning, so I thought it would be good for us to read that book, and I'm actually getting a lot out of it, so you'll probably hear that flavor uh, this show. Um, I've read, uh, I've also, another author that I've enjoyed is uh, Viktor Frankl. And I I found Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning from a friend when I broke up with my girlfriend. I had posted on Facebook, I was active on there at the time, and I posted that I feel so bad for suffering about breaking up with my girlfriend when I'm still married and have a wonderful life and a house. And, and I just feel like I don't, I shouldn't be suffering, I should be happy. And this person reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you should check this book out. So I did, and, and I learned something from that book that was really powerful, and I, and I carry it forward with me, and I, I like to share it with people because, you know, for any of us who might feel like, hey, you know, I have no right to be feeling bad about this. I have no right to be suffering. There's people all around the world that have it way worse than I do. You know, even people I know in my life have it way worse than I do, and, and here I am feeling bad for myself because I'm married, but I broke up with my girlfriend, boo-hoo. And um, in the book, Victor was, uh, he was, he was a victim of, he was in the concentration camps. Um, he, he was a victim of the Nazis imprisonment. And, um, you know, so his writings came out of his experiences there. And one of the things that he learned, and he was a doctor, he was a psychologist. One of the things that he observed and learned is that suffering fills the entire human being that is experiencing that suffering. It doesn't matter the reason. It doesn't matter the cause. That it fills the entire human being's soul just the same. And um, I mean, that's a basic summary of it. But essentially, it allowed me to take a look at my own suffering and not write it off, not marginalize it away because other people around me had it worse, but to embrace my suffering and own it because it was my suffering. And I felt that suffering just as strongly as someone else who I may look at and say, well, they have it worse off than I do. But we're both suffering just as equally because the act of suffering is something that fills the entire human soul. And um, I thought that was really nice of them to send that along because 
it allowed me to relax into the pain that I was experiencing and actually process it instead of marginalizing it and having it, um, you know, follow me around like a ghost. Um, some of the other things that I've done uh, that are a part of my background, I've participated in landmark education, which is a very intensive, um, direct form of therapy that essentially what it allows allowed me to do was to get in touch with the traumas that I experienced as a young child that set the tone for how I make choices in my life and how I react to situations and, and problems and things that go wrong in my life. And uh, to take a look at how those tools that I developed when I was young have uh, resulted in the choices that I've made through my life. And to understand that through us, through embracing those traumas and, and, and assessing those tools, I have options to choose other ways of dealing with things that happen to me in my life. And I can, I can make up my mind about what, what they mean rather than reacting from a place of um, trauma out of habit from habits that I developed 40 years ago. <laughs> um, so essentially it allows me to decide now as an adult, hey, how do I wanna react to this? What do I want for my life? And what, what do I need to do to get it? And allows me to make choices from a place of possibilities for my future instead of reacting from um, old traumas in my past. So that, that was actually very powerful, and I carry those tools with me every day. Um, I have 27 years of experience in continuous committed relationships, and uh, inside those 27 years, also four years with a girlfriend, well married. Um, I have 18 years of experience in the kink community. Um, much of it in the beginning was kink fashion and kink community, observing in the kink community and supporting the kink community and how people, uh, I just love how diverse people are and love watching people express their true selves. Um, Self-expression is something that I really value. Um, seven years of that 18, I have been an active player, finding my kinks and expressing my kinks and finding others that enjoy them to express them with. Uh, also in that is seven years of uh, DS power exchange as a dominant with a submissive and learning the types of BDSM activities that I enjoy participating in and finding surprises uh, of being interested in things that I never really knew that I could ever do or handle or be interested in now have led to some of the most amazing discoveries of my life. Um, and we're going to talk more about those in the future, but I'd really like to get into next is some relationship history. I've had several different relationships, serious relationships for my, for my life. As I'm sitting here recording this, I'm realizing that, um, and, and through some things, through some conversations with baby girl recently, I'm, I'm just realizing that. I enjoy having uh, intimate relationships with one person at a time. I've had periods in my life where I have had multiple partners and those periods of my life worked really well. But I think my default mode is not monogamy because I am open-minded 
um, in that I, I am polyamorous minded. I am non-monogamy, non-monogamous minded. <laughs> I'm not sure how to use these terms. They're so awkward. They don't even come up on spell check. I am polyamorous minded. I am non-monogamous minded. But when I conduct my relationships, if I have a full and intense connection with an individual, I choose to focus on exploring just that, um, which is rather interesting. I have had multiple partners with relationships that were not full spectrum relationships, but when you put the two together, they kind of made a greater whole in my life. Um, and when I was married, I had a girlfriend for four years. And I think for me, if I'm honest with myself, I was married, I was with my partner for 14 years. My girlfriend was a new partner to me and I wanted to explore all the new wonderful things while still having all of the comfortable things that I was used to. And, um, well, uh, that worked for about four years. And, um, then my, as you, as you'll learn, my, my partner decided to move on and that leaves me where I am today, solo and polyamorous and dating a married woman. But first thing I want to look at, uh, in my relationship history is fairy tale love. So my first relationship, right? I was 19 years old. I was in college and I met this girl through a friend. It was his sister and I started dating her, um, she was innocent and shy and, and I was insecure and used to being rejected by girls. And I could tell she kind of took an interest in me and I took an interest in her and um, asked her out and, and we, we hit it off. There was definitely a mutual interest and we were both of each other's first kisses, first fucks, first loves. In fact, it used to drive me crazy on how um, all of our parents would say, oh, isn't that so sweet? You know, your, your first love. And I used to get so mad. First love, what do you mean? We're going to be together forever. And I, I really meant that. And, I, and that's exactly what I committed to. Um, so our relationship as it progressed, you know, we very much felt like it was a, a Disney fairy tale kind of love. And when I look back, that's really how it felt. And I think I remember at the time even feeling that way, like, wow, this is like a Disney movie. And I just wanted to be with her every minute of every day. And, you know, not necessarily now looking back because I wanted to be with her, but I, I, I just, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in that in that place. I wanted to be in that experience. And I was afraid that if I wasn't with her, then it would stop happening, you know? Um, so I always wanted to be with her. Um, so when that relationship started, this is how I like to describe it. When I met her and we hit it off and we started down the path, you know, you take her on a date, you get the flowers, you meet the parents, you know, and, and you go to the movies and then you hang out. And it, it was like, there was a door that said relationship on it. And I opened that door up and there was a narrow staircase and I started walking up. <laughs> and that led to getting engaged and that led to getting married and so on and so forth. Um, I think it is referred to as the relationship escalator or the relationship ladder. Um, oop, my creaky chair, sorry. So we were together for seven years, married for one. And the, we had a few disruptions along the way. 
but we got through them together and I thought little of them because we always recovered and ended up getting married. So um, I thought very little of them, but I knew there were times where she said she was not happy and I, I promised to make things better and fix them and you know things would get better and then I'd assume everything was fixed and it really wasn't. How that relationship ended was rather abrupt. Um, I remember one night we were laying in bed, it was about 10 o'clock, and she, she was shutting her light and saying that she was hungry. And I said, oh, I'll, you hungry? I'll go make you an English muffin with butter or peanut butter. And she just looked at me and said, oh my God, I love you so much. You are the best husband ever. And I just beamed and went downstairs and made her her English muffin and came up and kissed her goodnight and was, went to bed the happiest husband in the world that night, you know, it's such a wonderful thing, um, to have heard. And a week later, she sat me down in the living room and said, I haven't been happy for a while. And I think we need to split up. We did therapy for a month. And then we, she realized even more that yeah, we, we haven't been happy for a long time and this isn't getting fixed. And, uh, I just think I, she said, what she said is, uh, we both deserve better. And, um, left me in a ball crying on the living room floor. I was so focused on the relationship um, that I never really regarded our happiness. But I do recall on several occasions, uh, se several occasions that um, I pondered why I thought, why I was fascinated about how attractive the neighbor's wife was, was why I couldn't get her out of my mind. And why I had this feeling like I was not really happy in the marriage, but yet whenever I heard the people at work talk or looked at my parents or the world around us, pretty much, everyone wants to fuck their neighbor's wife. Everyone wants to fuck someone else that's walking by. It's human nature. And everyone's fucking complaining about how shitty their marriage is and what a pain in the ass their husband or wife is. So I looked around at my world and I said, well, this is fucking normal. This is marriage and I'm going to make it work. But I wasn't happy. I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I was settling. But I never regarded our happiness because everyone's marriage appeared miserable. And to me, that seemed normal. Relationships are hard. So happiness never figured in. We just keep doing the work, right? It's what you do. It's what you do. You make it work. Everyone's doing it, it seemed. About a month after the divorce, I realized that she gave me she gave us both, but she gave me the biggest gift of my life by being honest and taking a stand for that honesty. And I've actually written her a letter since. Uh, it was about a year ago after my divorce and um, thanking her and telling her that um, it was the biggest gift she ever gave to me and she was absolutely right. And then along came fuck it all. Fuck it all, love. We've had fairy tale love, and yeah, it really fucked me over. From, I went from fairy tale love one night to the next week being told it was all a lie. As much as I knew it was a gift, I was still shaken. And it was only two months after my divorce that I met my second wife. We have both been with our partners for eight years. She was recently divorced. I was recently divorced. 
both after eight years, and we were dating other people when we met. We continued dating other people for a couple of years before she moved in and we started up our version of the relationship ladder. Um, This time, when I opened the door, the staircase was a little bit twisted. (laughs) Being recently divorced, both of us, we're very leery about relationships and had a very much, uh, very much had a relationship anarchy kind of view. We, We got together, we smoked weed, we drank, we partied, we fucked, we did ecstasy. We just did everything we could to avoid walking up that staircase. As a result, I was very anxious about my status in the relationship. I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted her to be my girlfriend. And she was like, no, I don't want that. I like spending time with you. Let's just do that. At one point, I broke up with her and said, look, I can't do this. This is tearing my heart out. I can't take the anxiety. I just got to know if you're going to be with me or not. And if you can't say you can, if you're saying you can't be with anybody right now, well, then it hurts me too much to be with you. It was Easter Sunday, 2001. And, um, a week later I was sitting on the beach and I thought about her and I'm like, this sucks. I wish she was here. I just want someone to like smoke a joint with and go get some ice cream. That's all. Is that too much to ask? So I called her up and I said, look, this sucks. I just want to hang out. You want to hang out? (laughs) And then we started up our relationship, twisted relationship staircase. Um, she essentially wanted me to just let go of all that preconceived notion about what relationships are, boyfriends and girlfriends and all that bullshit, and just be the two of us. And it was really weird because I wanted to be really romantic. And every time we started to get comfortable with each other and I would start being, expressing my feelings, my emotions, and wanting to like show her love, she would push me away and be like, no, I don't want that romantic bullshit. I want you to be real. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't really even make out unless it led to sex. And we did, we talked about that a number of times through our marriage. And she used to say, I just, I just don't like, kissing turns me on. And if, if I'm, if I'm kissing, it's going to lead to sex. And sometimes I don't feel like having sex, so I don't feel like kissing. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, definitely our intimacy definitely took a hit because there's so many ways to connect so many ways to connect without sex. And that just like, if we're going to only be physically connected when we fuck, it ruled out all the other forms of intimacy. She didn't like cuddling. I would sit next to her on the, I would cuddle her. I would want to hold her while we watched a movie. And, and she would be like, okay, that's enough. I got to go to my side of the couch now. And it's just, my dad, you know, wasn't really affectionate with me. And, and I just, I'm not used to it. I don't like how it feels. It's just weird. And so I was like, okay. So that shut down another pathway of intimacy and uh, we just focused on the partying and the fucking and the making of a life together because we were really, really good at making a life together. Never fought about money. She helped me so much with my family and I helped her with hers and friends. We had, we had friendships that we made together. Really, really good, solid friendships with people. Best of best of friends. And we built a hell of a life together. And that twisted staircase led to some hell of a, hell of a good time partying. We were, we were swingers. We started with the swinging lifestyle. Totally like, fuck marriage, fuck conventional. I've heard about swinging. Have you? Yep, let's try it. We did that for, oh, geez, 17 years, 16, 16 years or so. Um, 
We didn't have many partners because, interestingly enough, we both preferred to ha- make friends with benefits and have couples that we like. We, we both wanted to find like one couple, you know, that we were really, really comfortable with and just enjoy that one couple and have a relationship with them and fuck them. Um, that happened a few times. Uh, one couple we knew for nine years, another two months, you know, that's how it happens in that lifestyle. Um, so we were partying, we were swinging, we got married. Um, we, we did a lot of, did a lot of playing with the few couples that we met. Um, we conquered, learned how to conquer jealousy together, found our way through swinging to the point where it was really comfortable. And then we could just make choices about what we wanted to do rather than having the the emotional impact following us around. Although I did, I do still have scars from the trauma that it took to learn how to do that. Um, we spent a couple of years trying to have kids, which, uh, was, I was, later found out that we, she really didn't want to have kids. And so we chose to be child free. Um, and then it, it, it wasn't too long after that, that we met a couple and she fell for him and I fell for her. So we started dating them and then we started dating them exclusively. And then we started to have feelings develop and became polyamorous with them. Um, the women did not get along at all. So we spent a lot of, decided to spend time apart. So I would go spend a weekend with my girlfriend. Then I would spend the next weekend with my wife. And while I was doing that, my wife was spending the weekend with her husband, which became, he became her, her boyfriend. Um, so the, the other couple were essentially were our boyfriends and girl, boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, and that went on for four years until um, the tension was just too much to take. Um, my girlfriend had a lot of resentment towards the way her husband had handled the ramp up of the relationship and she just couldn't let it go and led to the demise of their marriage, which really brought my relationship with my girlfriend to a very dark place. And when I asked for a reconfiguration or some space, she, she basically, um, well, I'm not going to say she or he, what happened was, uh, we, we, we chose to end it. Um, it was more a necessity on my part. Um, I didn't want it to end per se, um, but it did. And um, a couple of years later, she, my my wife left me for him. And um, I realized like, you know, it's weird as I look back, you know, she was very romantic with him, but yet she was never, ever romantic with me from day one. And I never thought it was weird until after she left me. I'm like, wow. So basically, you told me when we met, romance wigs you out and you, you like don't want to be romantic with me, but you left me for somebody that you're incredibly romantic with. That's just like fucking wow. Awesome. So um, it, it, it basically took me time to realize that I was more committed to our marriage than I was to her. And I was very thankful for her leaving to pursue her happiness. We're different with different people. I was different with my girlfriend than I was with my wife. So I accepted that my wife was different with her boyfriend than she was with me. But when she left me, I was just like, oh, wow. I had a bitter moment and was like, so you didn't want to be romantic with me, but you can be romantic with him. Okay, great. And you know what? If that's the case, then you should go be with him if you want to be monogamous, which she did. She was monogamous at heart. Um, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. But 
Anyway, I was ended up being very thankful for her leaving to pursue her happiness. And it gave me the courage to do the same. And that's what I'm doing today. So I've experienced, uh, I shared my experiences in two different types of loves. Fairy tale love and fuck it all love. <laughs> Romance be damned, we're just going to have fun and, and make a great life together. Um, but during my marriage, uh, I, I had said that my wife and I had met another couple and became polyamorous with them. Well, that was my girlfriend that I, in, that, in that couple that we met, and that was her boyfriend. And um, we met as swingers. And I remember the night, clear as day, you know, my wife was dancing with her husband on the dance floor. And I'm, I had already kissed her once on the dance floor quickly, but now we were over by the bar just talking. And then we started kissing. And I don't know why, but at one point I broke the kiss and I reached up and I grabbed a fistful of her hair and I gently pulled back on her head. And just the look she gave me stirred something so deep inside me that rose up and her reaction to it just lit a fire. And before you knew it, she was telling me all about how she uh, and her husband had tried rope before and she liked to be dominated. So I read a bunch of books and we started experimenting in the bedroom and we fell into this intense DS power exchange. She was my, do I collared her, she was my submissive, I was her dominant. And we explored all different types of kinks together. Um, kinks that we, we were interested in at the time. Um, and as our relationship progressed, uh, it, it, was, it was interesting because the girls, it, the girls did not get along in this polyamorous quad. Um, the girls did not get along. So instead of forcing us to get together and try to get along, we decided to do it, to have the relationship and not get together. Why do something that's not working? We wanted to have the relationship. We just did not want to be doing it all in the same room. So we just decided to spend time apart. And over the years, as trust built and we became better at polyamory, uh, my girlfriend and I, as well as my, my wife and, and her boyfriend, gained a lot of freedoms um, to the point where my girlfriend and I were we're in the, engaged in the swinger lifestyle. We, we, we did very little playing, but we enjoyed the parties and we went on a vacation together. Um, we enjoyed the kink lifestyle. We made friends. We went to cons, discussion groups. We took, like I said, we took vacations together. We tried all different restaurants together. And my wife had a very limited diet and she was kind of like a, I just want to kind of, you know, cozy up on the couch. And I really loved that about my relationship with her. Um, but I also loved my relationship with my girlfriend because she loved to do all these new things and go on these adventures and go off-roading and ATVing and just lust for experiences and doubly so doing them together. Um, so we, we had a great four years, but near the end of that four years, she decided that things just were not working with her husband. And she, she was, after, after years of therapy and, and dealing with resentment, and she just couldn't heal the wounds and, and decided to get a divorce. But her hatred of my wife created a lot of unhealthy anxiety for me because I was stuck between two women that hated each other. How am I going to carry on a relationship with my girlfriend when she hates my wife who is dating her ex-husband? That was just an untenable situation for me. And in the end of the day, 
uh, I went to her and I said, look, I, I, I'm not going to be able to make this work. Um, I just, I can't see a way I can deal with this anxiety and being in this situation. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not giving up my marriage. My marriage is my first priority. Um, and we were unable to agree on how to transition our, our relationship. So it ended. And, um, that was the first time I ever broke up with anybody. And it's interesting because I've looking back now, I realized that in both of my marriages, I was very focused on, um, on the relationship. That was my focus. The relationship is everything. Okay. Are we okay? Um, what do we need to be okay? And I never focused on the people in the relationship. Like, are you okay? <laughs> are you happy? I mean, shit, if I stopped to ask either of my wives if they were happy, like really happy, like really happy, because I did ask them, are you happy? How are you? Are we good? But if I sat down and I asked them, look, are you really happy? I would have got, an- got an answer that I didn't want. So I never really asked that question. But if I look back now, I realize that we weren't happy, but I was focused on making sure the relationship was working. I didn't stop to think, is this working for the people that are in it? And it's funny because the, for the first time when I ended the loving relationship with my girlfriend that was going really well right up until the day I broke up with her, or like the, the, a week, it was going well the week up to a week before I broke up with her. And then we started to have conversations that kind of fell apart because I was realizing I couldn't do this anymore. But it was a loving relationship and I, and I ended it because it was no longer going to be healthy for the, for the people in it. And I was thinking of the people in it and I shined that light in that dark corner and I said, hey, look, this isn't working for me. What can we do to fix it? And she was like, well, it's working for me. What do you mean? There's nothing to fix. And like I said, we were unable to agree and we had to part ways. But... I was like, wow, that's the first time I really focused on the people in the relationship and realized that this relationship isn't working for the two people that are in it. Um, and I did try to address it. I did not want it to end. I wanted to transition it. But we, we couldn't, she and I could not come up with a way that, I, that we would be, either of us would be happy with continuing she wanted to continue as is and I couldn't continue as is. I needed to bake in more space to the relationship and find some way to buffer my level of anxiety. And she just was not in the place to be able to handle that conversation um, at the time, of course, with all that she was dealing with. Um, so anyway, that's how my adventurous love ended. After my adventurous love and after my divorce from the fuck-it-all love, <laughs> I did some dating. Actually, I, I, I took some time off because I started to tell myself that I did not like who I was in a relationship and I didn't, just did not know how to conduct one. Clearly, because my wives keep telling me that they love me and a week later they leave me out of quote unquote out of the blue, which now I know is totally bullshit on my part. Um, I just had my head in the sand too focused on the relationship and not focused on the people in it. So I took some time for myself, but 
It was about eight months, six months after my divorce that I started dating again. And it was about four or five months after that that I, I had my first brush with soulmate love. Now, bear in mind, I thought that my first love was my soulmate. And I realized after a couple of years that, no, we were just deeply in love. But I started to question the whole soulmate thing. And my second wife never let me get up the first step of our relationship staircase um, in a romantic fashion because she didn't believe in that shit with me. (laughs) So um, I never really had that soulmate feeling with her, you know? Best friends, absolutely. Soulmates, no. Um, So anyway, in... It was, it was almost a year after my wife said that, hey, I'm out, um, and we started to work our way towards divorce, that I met this girl. Um, she had sent me a message on uh, FetLife, uh, not a message, a friend request, and, and I said, who's, who's this? And the picture, I opened up, and I was like, holy shit. It was just, she was like my ideal body type like fucking ideal body type, like what I would masturbate to back in school. Like I would turn the pages, not school as a kid. I'd never masturbated in school. Or did, did I? Did I? Um, okay, I'm not, ans- not going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, she was the kind, she, she had the kind of body that I would turn the pages in the fucking like nude magazines just to find a particular type of girl to jerk off to. Yeah, that was pretty much her. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, this isn't real. Who the fuck is this girl wanting to be my friend out of nowhere? So I message her. I'm like, do I know you? And she's like, well, you're friends with so-and-so and, you know, she's really nice. So I figured, you know, I'd friend you. And I said, well, I noticed that you're going to this particular munch on this particular night that I'm going to. Um, I'll be wearing this col- colored shirt. If you're there, I'd, be, I'd love to put a face to a name. And she was like, well, I don't know you know, uh, my husband has plans that night and the kids. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. And I said, well, if you do come over and say hi. So I went and I thought, you know, I thought it was a dude in his underwear. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm a dude in my underwear, actually, um, too much information, but actually right now, (laughs) um, you know, so anyway, I just thought it was the proverbial troll, you know, even after the friend reference, I, I wasn't convinced. Um, so I, I went through all of her pictures and I tried to piece together like a corner of a lip or the shot of an eyebrow or, or the peak of a cheekbone just to kind of paint a face. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it. She was really, really good, really, really good at taking pictures to hide her identity, um, you know, for, for discretion. And, uh, so I went to the, I went to the, the, the munch and I'm just like, whatever, I'm just going to talk to my friends. And there was a girl who I was a current play partner and I was, I was talking with her and a bunch of other friends and I saw this, this girl go through the crowd and I, I didn't get to see her face, but I saw her body and I saw her hair and I'm like, oh, who is that? And I followed her around the room as I'm, ha- as I'm also engaged in this conversation and uh, I'm just very aware of her presence at, 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 at the munch and uh, eventually I deduced that she wasn't there with anybody. So I made my way over to the conversation she was in and when an opportunity arose, I turned to her, saw her face for the first time, extended my hand and said, hi, I'm Steve. I I don't know where the fuck that came from. I've never been so bold in my life, but I was hunting her around that room for the last 30 minutes and I was taking my shot. 
she reached out her hand and her eyes softened and widened and her pupils dilated and she said, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, oh, you're so-and-so? She was the one who had friended me. And I recognized the screen name. I said, wow, it's really nice to put a face to a name. And uh, inside, my head was going, oh, fuck, here we go. It was the combination of her face, her eyes, her eye contact, her expressions, the way she met me, and the touch of our hands. Our conversation just became singular. The rest of the evening, we were focused on nothing but each other. We went and sat down in a booth at her behest. I started to touch her leg. She grabbed my hand. She was squeezing my hand. We talked and talked and talked. And when we got up to leave, I walked her out to her car. I put my arm around her. She put her, her she nuzzled her head into my chest as we were walking along like we had been together for years I asked her for a ride to my car in the parking lot. She took me to the, uh, she, she, she gave me the ride and she, we, were, we were parked on the quiet street in the middle of the street. She stopped to let me out. and She goes, I'm sorry, I can't get you closer. And I don't know where the fuck this came from either, but I, I stopped and I, I looked at her and I reached over and I put my hand on the back of her neck and I, and I leaned in as I said, that's okay, I can get us closer. And I kissed her. And we were just gone into a different fucking universe. And um, I felt uh, something strange. So I opened my eyes and there was a car behind us, like right behind us. And I looked at her and I go, there's a car behind us. And she's looking at me like, huh? So I started kissing her again. And before you know it, beep, beep. So I grabbed her by the back of the head and I tilted her head back, brushed her hair off her cheek and lightly smacked her cheek. And I said, wake up and drive little girl. And I got out of the car and I looked back at her and her hair was a mess. And she was looking back at me with her mouth still open, like, huh? What? Wait, wait, where, where did you go? How did you get out of the car? <laughs> And I said goodbye, and, and she got her shit together and drove away. And I went home, and I messaged her that night, and I said, look, I'm, I'm not going to wait to message you. I think we both know that we're flirting with something significant here. So I would like to get together with you again sometime to continue our conversation in a more private setting. And we met that weekend, and we've been seeing each other just about every week, every other week since. Um, it's just been one of those from the message to meeting swept away kind of a feelings. Uh, and this, this, is, this, is, this is the balls to the wall right here. Communication. We communicate so well. And actually in my profile, it says, I, 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 I say I'm a communication slut. And she loved that. She was like, I loved what you wrote about being a communication slut. And holy shit, we are. We communicate so much. In fact, I said to her several points along the way, I am absolutely positive one of these days I'm going to say something and you're going to go, okay, Steve, that was too much. You need to back it down a notch. And she goes, uh-uh, nope, throw it all at me. I want all of you. I want everything you can give me. And I'm like, fuck. Okay, sure enough, a month later, I'm saying all of this shit and getting all emotional and getting in deep and examining our feelings. And, and, uh, and, and, and she's like, 
I'm, I'm like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the one thing I say. And she's going to go, oh, okay, Steve, there's that line. You cross that line. Nope. Throw it all at me. I love how intertwined we are in the feelings of how we manage the intersection of our lives and how we create the emotional content of our relationship, how we are physically, how we relate to each other mentally, and the experience of being connected in this way. She is my baby girl, and I am her daddy, and I, it is my role to take care of her, not because it's my job, but because it is what my soul demands. Every fiber of my being rises up as protector to make sure that she is well cared for, happy, and loved. And I've never fucking felt this way before in my life, and she never has either. And it's mind-blowing. So in looking back, I've had fairy tale love, fuck it all love, adventurous love, and now I am so fortunate to have this soulmate love. And it's funny because uh, a couple of days ago we were we were messaging about this very topic, and um, you know she she says, "Oh my God, Steve, you actually are at times you actually cause me to." second guess the fact that I don't believe in soulmates. And uh, I, I know exactly what she means. So when I look back over all of these different types of love that I've had type, and the relationships in which they took shape, I realize one overriding thing that's very different in what's happening in my life right now. And it's the way that I want to be for the rest of my life in relationships is that um, how important it is to have relationships with the person, not the relationship itself. And the big failure to my marriages was that I was so focused on making the marriage work that I didn't realize that neither of us were happy. Um, my first marriage, I made the mistake of accepting that because the world around me told me it was okay. It's how things are. It's how it's supposed to be. This is normal. And the second time around, um, you know, I just, I really just loved my life and I loved the life that we had built and I was happy in it. I found ways to be happy. Um, I've, I've, I found a lot of other ways to be happy, but you know, they weren't necessarily all derivative from the time that I spent with my wife. I really enjoyed the time I spent with my wife, but there were so many other things that made me very, very happy as well. Um, I think looking back, if, if she had not left me for her boyfriend, we would still be married today and we would have found ways to be happy together, but it still doesn't change the fact that I was way too focused on the relationship and not enough on the people in it. Because at the very least, I'm not going to say that I would have ended it or that it was so bad that I was so unhappy that it would have ended, but in looking back, I, I definitely say that there were some fucking conversations I should have been having that would have either made the relationship what, it, what, what we both deserved or made us realize that, okay, we're not going to find this together. So we have to make a choice. Um, so at the end of the day, I realized that 
my biggest handicap was not that I didn't know how to do relationships. Um, it, it was not that I didn't know how to love. It's not that I didn't like who I was in those relationships. It's that my focus was on the relationship and not the people. And it's great because I can look back at my relationship with my girlfriend and say that, you know, with all the DS and the kink and how communicative we were, I was really in touch with her. She was my submissive. She was my pet. I had to know her in and out. But I do know that with my girlfriend, um, I, ha- I was having a relationship with the person. So um, I guess I wasn't that broken. <laughs> I guess is what I'm really saying is, is that, um, you know, I am, I am confident that I'm capable to do it and of doing it. And I know where I made my mistake. And now I know not to do it again. So that's a little bit about me. Um, That's a little bit about my lifestyle interests, my background, my relationship history, the different types of love I've experienced, and what I have for um, what I'm enjoying right now, and also what I've learned from looking back. So what's coming next? What's daddy going to throw at you? Well, in my next episode, Finding Daddy, Where It All Began, I'm going to attempt to contrast the discovery of my dominant side with the blooming realization that in my core being, I am a daddy. And what being a daddy means to me, because it's different for all the daddies out there. I mean, there is a similarity, there is a daddiness, but every daddy's gonna be a different kind of daddy. And every daddy's gonna need a different kind of baby girl. Also, I'm gonna take a journey into my childhood, back to when I first realized I was kinky. Now, I didn't realize I was kinky as a child, but as an adult, just recently, thanks to Baby Girl and some conversations we were having, I've realized as an adult when my kinkiness revealed itself, and it revealed itself at a very young age. Um, And I'm going to reveal how I discovered my childhood connection to kink and the origins of my identity as a dominant and even as a daddy. So from me to you, Thanks for joining me on Daddy as Fuck, and I hope you listen in again soon.